Hey everyone, welcome to the Corduroy Connect, your one-stop shop for all Indiana FFA and agricultural news. We're super excited to bring you stories from industry leaders, FFA members, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kylie Shakel, alongside my co-host, Luke Sproles. During our year of service as Indiana FFA State Officers, we hope to share with you the stories of the amazing individuals that are leading and shaping our industry. Join us today at Corduroy Connect to get a glimpse into what we have to offer. Thank you for joining us today on our first episode of Corduroy Connect, the podcast series. Luke and I are super excited to have the chance to talk to you all and kind of share with you the plans for this podcast and just introduce it to you. I'm going to go ahead and pass the mic over to Luke so he can talk to you a little bit more. Kylie and I are super excited to bring this to you guys. Not only is this our very first episode, but we also have the rest of our teammates as guests on this episode, the 2020-2021 Indiana FFA State Officer Team. Now, Kylie and I have been living with these amazing people for about three months now, <laughs> and we have gotten to know them very well. On a very personal level at that. <laughs> so we have this opportunity to see the people behind the blue jacket, but we want you guys to have that same opportunity as well. So we brought them on today so that we can explain what the Corduroy Connect is and give you guys a little bit of a glimpse into what it's like living with these amazing people. We're gonna start off by introducing the rest of the team and we're gonna drop you right into this conversation. Hello everyone, my name is Julia Hamblin and I am proudly serving as your state president this year. What is up everybody? My name is Blaine Vandeveer and I am your Northern Region Vice President. My name is Lauren Matlock, and I am the Southern Region Vice President this year. And my name is Evan Koblenz, and I'm serving as the State Treasurer this year. Well, hi there, everyone. I'm Derek Williams, and I'm currently serving as the Indiana FFA State Reporter. And then, as you know, with us on the podcast is Luke and I. My name is Kylie Shakel, and I'm serving as your State Secretary. A little bit of a tongue twister there, Kylie. My name is Luke Sproles, and I'm serving as the state sentinel. Well, that completes the team, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to hear more about them in just a few minutes. But first, we want to give the mic over to Derek Williams to talk to us a little bit more about how Corridor Connect came about, what our goals are, and what to look for in the future. Well, if you can believe it, the idea for Corduroy Connect actually came when I was mowing. Um, <laughs> mowing is an activity that really is relaxing. You know, I can go out, I can just sit down, uh, mow some grass, and think about everything that's going on in my life. And I had went out and mowed following our slate announcement, so I was already kind of, you know, all excited for, for uh, hopefully becoming an Indiana FA state officer, uh, depending on how voting would go later in the week. And so that's kind of what was very predominantly on my mind. And when I was thinking about everything that this year may hold, two things really occurred to me. Um, one of those is, was we are going to have to come up with a lot of crazy, cool new ideas to really be able to reach out to members. Um, you know, already right then and there, you know, we were really conscientious of the fact that we may not have the chance to really go out and uh, see FFA members in person. So we'd have to see what we could do through uh, the digital virtual format uh, to really be able to reach out and connect members. So that's that was something on my mind. And then also another item was there's not really a lot of great online media resources out there for FFA members, agriculturalists to know what's going on in FFA um, and in Indiana in general. So when those two ideas kind of were popping up in my head, I thought, 
well, why not just come up with a video series where uh, we film it and then FFA members can watch it, know what's going on in the state of Indiana, what's going on in agriculture, and that's kind of how the Corduroy Connect idea came about. Awesome. And so Derek then brought that idea to us during one of our Monday morning meetings, and we kind of sat down for the next couple hours and hashed this out. Derek, walk us through what is the vision that we've set for this podcast and video series? The Corduroy Connect is going to be formatted as a video and podcast series. Um, the videos will be available through our YouTube page, Indiana FFA YouTube page, and then the podcast will be available on all of the large podcast outlets. We are also uh, going to have a one-stop shop on the Indiana FFA website, so you can just click on a tab, and then there's all the videos, all the podcasts, all the resources to access um, and view those materials. Uh, the videos, we're definitely uh, gearing those to be more of what's going on across the state, what FFA events are coming up, and then also some featured stories, so like one those like particular subjects that we can really provide focus on. And then the podcasts are going to be more of the down-to-earth connections with individual people, um, going out and interviewing industry representatives, interviewing uh, FFA members, officers, interviewing people involved um, in agriculture, and really having those, again, down-to-earth type of conversations that really can elicit some really cool uh, insight on, on all the amazing things that's going on in agriculture today. Right. I love that. So I think I can speak for all of us when we say we're super excited to be bringing this to you guys. I know when Derek brought this to us during our Monday morning meeting about the whole video side of things, my mind just started rolling about how can we incorporate something else, which is when the podcast came in. And then once we got done talking about that, we talked about our goals. So Derek, share with us a little bit about what our goals are for this podcast and video series. The current goal is to post a video and a podcast each month and to have that as kind of the monthly overlook or recap of, of what's been going on with Indiana FFA and agriculture in general. Um, again, we're all about sharing stories, sharing the stories that are shaping our future. That's our tagline for Corduroy Connect. And, you know, with the videos, that's, again, you know, what kind of opportunities are being made available to our members and what's all the cool things that they have going on. We also hope to make an element of the videos, kind of like a like a chapter sponsored chapter highlight, uh, kind of focus on what are those individual chapters have going on, what kind of cool crazy events that uh, their own chapter is really known for, and what makes them unique. And then again, the podcasts are then going to have those individual connections where we're talking with, uh, you know, unique individuals from across the state and uh, maybe even across the country about you know what they're doing for agriculture, what kind of cool leadership tips and tricks that they have, and just you know their unique perspective on life. Uh, everyone's got their own journey that they've carried with them throughout their time here on this earth, and that's something that the podcast is really going to be able to share all those unique experiences they've been able to have. And uh, again, just to come back to our tagline, you know, sharing the stories that are shaping the future, that, that is the biggest goal of Corduroy Connect. Well, thank you, Derek. I couldn't have said it any better. So with that said, we're going to jump right into learning a little bit more about each of us as officers um, to kind of get started and explain it a little better. Each of the officers pulled out a question from a hat before we started this podcast, and they have been thinking about that question, and I think they're ready to bring it to you. So with that said, we're going to go go ahead and get started. All right, guys. Our first guest is Lauren Matlock. Lauren, your question that you drew out of the hat is, tell us a funny FFA story that's happened to you. Oof. I would say, uh, 
probably the funniest, I don't know if it's the funniest, but for me it was one of the most funny. Uh, every year our chapter always took a summer trip and went somewhere, you know, whether that was Kings Island or Holiday World. And one particular year, I believe it was my eighth grade year um, of middle school, we went to Kings Island and we were there all day and went to the water park and amusement park and I was wore out still having a good time and afterwards you know we were we had the munchies because we worn ourselves out so much <laughs> but uh we went to steak and shake and you know when i'm walking steak and shake the first thing i look at is what kind of arcade games do they have in there okay and this particular one did have the little claw arm uh, that you could waste 10 15 dollars on if you wanted and you know i was playing it when we were waiting on our waiting on our seats spent me a couple dollars there didn't win anything my advisor was yelling at me about how big of a waste of time it was. You know, but I was determined to win something before I walked out of there. And anyways, went ate our meal. We were checking out, um, cashing out. I, I was the first one to cash out. So as soon as I cashed out, I went right back to the arcade game. Had a couple more $1 bills in my pocket. I said, maybe I can waste them all. And I'm sitting there. I'm just going to town on this thing, trying to win me a prize. And uh, Sam Brecker, one of my fellow FFA members at the time was with me and we were standing there and he was uh, just mesmerized by my skills, my mad skills on the claw machine, even though I'd never won anything. And we probably stood there for a solid 15 minutes. And I turned around after I finally ran out of $1 bills. I said, Sam, where's our chapter at? And it's like, oh, I bet they're just outside on the bus. So I said, well, we should probably go now. So we walk outside, and our bus isn't there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I call my advisor, and I say, hey, Miss Williams, where are you? And she goes, what do you mean? I was like, we're still at Steak and Shake. <laughs> she goes, well, we're on the interstate. I'm like, what do you mean you left us? <laughs> and she's like, are you guys really not on the bus? And she turned around and was, like, yelling on the bus, and... Uh, you know, I was, I was kind of upset, but Sam and I just laughed so hard and we were just strolling around Steak and Shake and the school bus was parked behind Steak and Shake and they were just waiting there. <laughs> and that, that was probably the funniest experience for me, but that, that was a, that was a great time. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. That's definitely sounds like something a couple of our advisors would do to us just to get back at us for spending that much money. How much do you think you actually spent? on that i don't know i'd say i probably wasted a good twelve dollars in quarters and one dollar bills for absolutely no reason oh my goodness so did you win that's the only important question here you know as as i said i have some mad skills at claw machine Uh but everybody has their off days and i didn't win a darn thing that day so it was your off day yeah okay well there's always next time always next time i probably spent a lot a lot of wasted time at those machines State Treasurer Evan Koblenz, and his question we have from the hat today is, tell us a little bit about your SAE, how it got started, and kind of everything about it. So my SAE is actually in dairy goat production, more than the entrepreneurial uh, sector of the SAE project. Since a young age, I have always loved animals, and my mom would always tell the story about me saying, oh, look at the baby cows, when we would drive past to feel the cows. 
So from then, I made it a goal of mine to have as many types of animals at my house as I possibly could. I don't live on a farm, but I do live in a rural setting, and I decided in eighth grade that I would forego the Washington, D.C. trip so that I could finance adding on to my dad's shop because I was going to make those livestock dreams happen. So I actually got into dairy beef at my 4-H level, and that was a really enjoyable experience for me, and I eventually started showing uh, the dairy steers that they have at my county fair, and then I kept one, and he got lonely, so I got a goat, and then we all know one goat turns into two goats to three to <laughs> 15 real quick. So then when I entered into high school, got involved in FFA, I really fell in love with the dairy goat industry and just what it had to offer. So I started building my dairy goat herd, primarily focused around alpines with a couple of crossbreds in there. And I market my offspring to other 4-H members and FFA members in our county and in the area. Um, I pride myself on having a fairly decent quality show herd. I never got into the big production and marketing side of things with the milk itself, but I did utilize the milk at times to feed some of my other livestock 4-H projects in the bottle baby period. So that was really enjoyable for me. Um, and I've always loved goats, and goats are forever and always going to be my favorite animal. Well, that is awesome. Kind of tell us a little bit about what your parents thought about all this undertaking and their reaction. <laughs> so both of my parents are educators. My dad is an engineering teacher, and my mom is a Spanish teacher. And neither one of them had really any exposure to animals or agriculture. Oh, wow. But with their love for me, they were willing to dive in and do just about whatever I gave in a presentation. So I did give a presentation to them about why I should get goats. <laughs> and that is how I got goats. And from there, my dad has always been my goat Uber when it comes to getting them to vet appointments or getting them to shows. And so my dad and I have really bonded, spending a lot of time on the road. We've been to a couple different states to pick up goats before. Uh, so we're checking those kind of things off the bucket list. And it's just been cool to connect with my family in that way and really show them and expose them to a world that I'm passionate about that they've never seen before. Well, that is quite the story. You really got me hooked on the whole presentation side of things. So <laughs> did this take place at the dining room table or where did this happen at? So I actually went full like professional attire and I called <laughs> them into the office <laughs> and I had my school Chromebook and I went through, I had fancy transitions and a PowerPoint. And then I was like, do you have any further questions? And they're like, well, how much is it going to cost? And then I rolled out my spreadsheet of estimated costs. And then I rolled out my bank account statements and showed that I would be able to financially sustain this. Well, Evan, we've only known you for a couple of months, but I could definitely you see you doing something <laughs> like this. And I think yeah. the whole officer team can attest to that. So, well, thank you for sharing with us a little bit about your SAE, and I'm excited to see where it goes throughout this year as well. Well, thank you. Yep, thank you. Our next officer is Derek Williams, state reporter. Derek, our question that you drew out of the hat is, what is your favorite contest? And can you tell us a little memory that you have from that favorite contest? I've always enjoyed our LDEs, our leadership development events, and my favorite LDE has always been extemporaneous public speaking. I'm definitely an individual that enjoys being put on the spot, you know, and extempt is one of those contests that does that. It definitely keeps you on your toes. No matter how much you prepare beforehand, no matter how much research information you put in your head, it's not going to matter until you actually go there and pick out your topic, because again, you don't know what the topics are going to be until you pick pick uh, from them there at your uh, at your contest event 
And that's always been enjoyable for me, just going in, not not having that sense of um, exactness that I'm going to put this on, I'm going to put it together in the spots and, and us- utilizing my own uh, comprehension skills through research and just uh, giving it before an audience, which is kind of how like real life is. Um, you never know going into a situation what someone's going to ask you, so you have to be able to come up with it there as you're having a conversation, and that's very much how Extempt is, um, and that's what it teaches our members, which is pretty important. A favorite memory from my time in Extempt, uh, looking back, because I guess now I don't have any more time in Extempt, um, it was one of the very first opportunities I had at Extempt, which was our district contest back in 2018, I believe. I was so nervous. You, you could imagine young Derek Williams uh, <laughs> walk, walking into the extent room, not really sure what exactly was all going on. Um, <laughs> and so again, you know, I was a little nervous, picked out my topic, went through all the research, went and gave uh, my speech. I had forgotten something in the room and I don't remember what exactly it was, but I forgot something. So I ran back to go find it and all of the extent proctors that were there in the room, just making sure people weren't like, uh, you know, talking to each other and whatnot. They were eating um, Little Caesars. They had Little Caesars cheese sticks. And so here's little like sophomore Derek Williams walking in all nervous again because he left something in the room and they're just chowing down on Little Caesars. And that was a moment that it just kind of sparked with me. And I went up and talked to him. I was like, hey, is that Little Caesars I see? And they're like, oh yeah. And I was like, by golly, can I have some? So they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> so I literally went up and ate some of the Little Caesars with the proctors there in that room, uh, which was kind of like a breakout moment for me. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I literally don't know these people and I just eat Little Caesars with them. Um, so that's just a fun little memory, just looking back, thinking, hey, you know, I was really nervous about that, about again, uh, those moments where you're not sure exactly what's going to happen. And then I just was able to turn around and have one of those moments and uh, really make some strides with it, you know, make some new friends. And it actually turned out that one of those people um, was the section director at that time. And so that was kind of cool, again, because that kind of like, once we had that conversation, it kind of kick-started the idea in my head about, oh, there are some more leadership positions outside the chapter level that I could potentially pursue. And then that goes into the whole, uh, then running for district office later on. And so I really look back at that moment, laugh at it a little bit, eating that little, uh, little Caesars with them, but also thinking, hey, that was a really special moment that I had with those people. So that's kind of a cool memory from that time. I would love to say that I'm surprised by that story, Derek, but <laughs> you know absolutely no stranger, so that no, does not surprise no. me one single bit. <laughs> Did you get to your contest room on time, though? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if I remember right, I was, I was rushing around a little bit. And actually, now that I think about it, I remember apologizing to the judges because they had to wait around a little bit for me. And I was like, I am so sorry. I'm the person you're waiting around for. I'm ready to give my speech topic. <laughs> so I might have been a little late now that I think about it, which don't do. Don't be late to your contest rooms. Uh, but yeah. But if you are, bring Little Caesars with you. Exactly. As a, as exactly. Yeah, it works. It works. Let me tell you. Oh, goodness. Well, Derek, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast with us. And we will see you in a little bit. Awesome. Thank you. Well, with us right now, we have Blaine Vanderveer, your 2020-2021 State Northern Region Vice President. Blaine, what's an FFA superstition you have? So, FFA superstitions that I have, there are two that come to mind right off the bat. The first is that I have a lucky belt that I wear for every contest. So, I know you usually have the option between belt and suspenders. My go-to is always a belt. And within that, it is always one particular belt because whenever I go into a contest, 
having that security that comes with knowing that it is that lucky feeling that comes with it um, is something that is a superstition to me. And then the next thing that's a superstition for me is something that's a little weird. So bear this in mind and be a little bit flexible when it comes to thinking about this. But always before a contest, whether it's team or individual, whenever my advisor is standing there, Mr. Shear, I had this tradition that started about and the superstition that started about two, three years ago, where before a contest, I go and I rub the bald spot on his head like a magic eight ball. <laughs> and I always like seemed like I just scruff his beard, like I scratch his beard. And I like, so I do the rub, scratch his beard, and then I'm good to go. And that's usually the superstition. By doing that, it puts me in a position that I feel really good going into it. It brings me that luck. And along with that, Mr. Shear, he sometimes does, he's not always receptive to it. Um, he sometimes slaps me might throw a eraser or a pencil or something but at the same time too i think he's grown used to it and i think it's just one of those things that gives me a lot of good luck going into it and is a superstition of mine you know that is quite the unique superstitions you have so the first time you went to you know rub shear's head what was his initial reaction so after that had happened so immediately after rubbing his head scratching his beard there is a look on his face and this look Vary between three emotions. First, I think, was disbelief. Are you kidding me, Blaine? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then there came the shock, like, why would you do this? Are you kidding me, Blaine? <laughs> <laughs> and then after the shock came the uncomfortability and anger. So it was a mixture between those two that really happened that first time. And then eventually, I think I warmed down enough to where it just, he accepted it. Are, Are you, you kidding, kidding me, Blaine? <laughs> I could only imagine and want to be a fly on the wall when that would have happened. Well, Blaine, thanks for sharing your superstition with us today. And I'm sure whenever Sheer has the chance to see you again, he's probably going to give you that same look and comment of, are you kidding me, Blaine? <laughs> it always is. We have the lovely Miss Julia Hamblin. Julia, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Luke, how are you? I'm doing good. So, so I have your question out of the hat and... It is, what is the most memorable community service project that you've ever done? Oh gosh, I would say the most memorable community service project ever done uh, has to be through the FFA, my FFA chapter. It was actually uh, in Chris, during the Christmas season, each December, I work with our local Salvation Army to go and ring the bell that we see at various stores around town uh, for Salvation Army donations. And I wanted to make this special uh, so it's not just us ringing a bell for, for three hours. So I actually br uh, bring my guitar every year, and we all sing Christmas carols. But it's not uh, just this that makes it so memorable. It's um, the fact that I'm, we're giving back to the Salvation Army. Uh, I hold a very special place in my heart for them. They're actually uh, one of the first organizations to respond to my family after we had a house fire six years ago. And I, I remember walking in there, and they took us in, into their thrift store in town and told us, whatever you need, just take it. Uh, you, you need this. And they gave my brother and I uh, some money to go get some clothes and some food. And so it was really after that moment that I prioritized community service in my life. And when I found out that I was able to volunteer for them, I knew I wanted to just go full throttle with them. So uh, I used my FFA chapter and, the, and our members to volunteer for them at least three to four times uh, each December to give back to them. 
Wow, that's amazing. Just hearing that just gives me goosebumps <laughs> on my arms. That's that's so cool, being able to give back to an organization that helped your family when you guys needed it. So tell me a little bit about uh, the, the Christmas carols that you guys sing, because we've all heard you sing, play your guitar, <laughs> and you are amazing. Let me say that one more time. Julia is amazing when it comes to singing. Maybe one of these times we can get her on here doing her own little song. Oh, yeah, definitely. So is there a go-to Christmas carol that your FFA chapter sings with you when you ring the bell? Absolutely. Our uh, first thing, and I guess I should mention my advisor, uh, Mrs. Huntsman, she she will deny it, but she's quite the singer as well. Uh, uh, we like to do some duets every now and then. But our go-to song, it's long and it can be a little annoying, but we love it. It's the 12 Days of Christmas. Uh, that sounds awesome. And I think since you brought that up, you're going to have to release an FFA-themed Christmas album now. <laughs> I mean... I can do that. Okay. Okay. I, okay. I will do it, but you guys got to sing with me. Deal. Okay. You heard it here okay. first. <laughs> Check out in December our new Christmas album. Oh, gosh. So, Julia, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast, and just thank you for sharing that story with us. All right, Luke. Well, it looks like that leaves you and I to go. All right. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and ask you the question that you had picked up from the hat, and that is, what piece of advice would you give to any FFA member? I think the most important advice I could give to a brand new member is don't buy your FFA jacket too soon. Because <laughs> Hold up. Did you have experiences with buying it too soon? I might have. So I was a freshman when I got my first FFA jacket, and my chapter gives a, our star chapter member a, an FFA jacket for free. And I was so excited. I thought I was the coolest thing in this chapter. And then two years go by, and I was outgrowing this jacket, and it was it hurt my back every time I would wear it because it would pull my shoulders in. And I have some I have some pretty wide shoulders. So sophomore Luke was not the same size as eighth grade going into freshman year Luke. So my advice to you, that's a little bit silly, but wait to buy your FFA jacket until you have leveled out growing. You will not regret it. But I do have some serious advice. Always take every opportunity to experience something new. I can't imagine how many times... I had been given a new opportunity that I knew maybe 10% of what was going to happen, and I took it, and I had so much fun. So whether it's going on a trip with your FFA chapter, going to a contest or a service project, always take those opportunities to experience something new forever. You all heard it here first. Make sure you take every opportunity and don't buy your FFA jacket too soon. Thanks, Luke, for coming on and answering the question for us. Absolutely. All right, Kylie, everyone else has answered a question, and now it is your turn in the hot seat. Woo! Hot seat! I'm excited. Let's get to it. <laughs> so, my question for you. How did you get started in FFA? That is a great question, Luke. And, you know, let's just start back when I was younger. So, my FFA story is definitely unique. I was brought up in an ag background, and my dad was the local livestock judging team coach for the FFA chapter near our school. And so I was brought up and, you know, I thought it was always going to be my destiny to be into the organization. Well, when I was about 12, 11, 12 years old, I started moving around quite a bit. And that impacted my life very heavily. And at one point, I had told myself I was not going to be in this organization. Quite frankly, I thought my destiny was to be sports. I wanted to go D1 in softball. And, you know, I started picking up all these new sports, such as cross country. That's another story for another day. But I was more focused on sports than being in the organization because the schools I was in did not believe in it. 
And it took a lot of convincing through my FFA advisor, who I knew through showing sheep. Um, I grew up showing sheep on a county, state, and national level. So after a little bit of begging and conversation, I decided to do the creed speaking contest. And so towards the later part of my eighth grade year, I started working on that. And that was kind of my beginning into the FFA organization. But I'll be the first to admit, I thought this organization was not for me. I didn't think I had a place in it. I didn't think that there were people who believed in me or wanted to be friends with me. And so after I had that conversation with my ag advisor and I started to see the opportunities it offered, that's where everything kind of changed. So for the people out there listening, I do encourage you to listen to others. You know, even though you may not want to do something, it's still important for you to listen and seek out those opportunities, much like Luke said, taking every opportunity. But yeah, that's how I got involved into the FFA. Kylie, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. And I'm so glad that you stuck with it. And I'm so glad that you found your place in this organization because you are probably one of my best friends now. Aww. <laughs> and I am so glad that you're here with us. Well, thank you. I'm excited for this year with some awesome teammates, Coca-Cola lovers, and everything in between. Well, that concludes our segment today, the first episode of Season 1 of the Corduroy Connect. Before we end, though, there is one thing that Luke and I want to do with all of our listeners, and it's called the Rapid Fire Question. Each segment, we are going to ask a question that we encourage you guys to answer on your social media stories and be sure to tag INFFA along with our personal accounts for a chance to be featured on our stories. So with that said, Luke, go ahead and ask the question for the viewers to answer. Let's say you're stranded on a deserted island and you can only bring one thing with you. What are you bringing with you? Make sure you go ahead and comment that on your social media and tag INFFA as well as Kylie Shakel and Luke Sproles. Well, everyone, thanks for tuning into the Corduroy Connect. Join us next month as we continue to share the stories of leaders shaping our future. This has been your co-hosts, Luke Sproles and Kylie Shakel. Indiana FFA, stay golden.